0: Episode 249 of The Sleeper in the Bus, it is your Tuesday edition, and I am Paul Spohr. Joined, as always, on Tuesdays by Mr. Eno Saris, who's headed to the yard soon to talk to the Mets. Eno, how you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing good. <clears throat> Got the, the Mets Giants. I, the last week before I set off to, uh, to uh, go to Chicago and Boston and... Uh, so I'm trying to get as much work in as I can.
0: East Coast trip, very nice. For those that are unaware, Eno's out on the West Coast. So this is a big trip for you. You will not be around for next week's podcasts. I will be handling those. Uh, I those recommend people, guests. They think, make it easier. <laughs> I think some guest work uh, is in order. I've been I've been marinating on that. Folks, if there's anybody that you would desperately love to hear on one of those two days, the 14th and the 16th, let me know hit me up on Twitter at spore I'm open to suggestions leave a comment uh, in the post for this for this particular episode if there's somebody that that you'd like to hear from and we'll see if we can make it work um, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today you know it is a little bit of a weird period in the baseball calendar in that obviously we're kind of about to reach the break here we're not going to talk all-star snubs and stuff like that it doesn't really matter for fantasy jason and i didn't really talk about the starters or anything so it's you know teams are kind of winding it down for a little bit uh you know skipping guys sending them down you know we saw some stuff baltimore likes to do this we'll see if they do it again this year they'll send a guy down to uh like their single a affiliate just to keep them on track and it, because it's close things like that so we'll see some weird stuff it's just kind of a weird time heading into the break here but we got to talk about something that's very important in july and you came up with this topic and i really like it talking about trade rumors is is fun but uh, it can be useless at times because a lot of it doesn't doesn't come to fruition but even still when we do talk about it sometimes the focus is lost on who could benefit from a trade you know we talk about who's going to get moved and where they can get moved to but sometimes we forget that That's also going to open up a spot for somebody, and who's that guy? We beat the drum on how playing time is king. Let's talk about some of these folks who could benefit. Now, the first uh, position that you had as particularly moving, uh, A's closer, right? Uh, They're not having a good year this year. Uh, Sean Doolittle isn't even pitching for them, so it's it's been Tyler Clippard. Everyone kind of knows what Tyler Clippard can do. He hasn't been himself this year. Uh, Strikeouts are down. Walks are up. It has been less than impressive from the skill standpoint, but the results are still there. He will be desirable. He's 30 years old, and Clifford's a free agent after this year. That all sets up for Billy Bean to move him. I mean, there's just almost no way that he doesn't. I could see him moving them, even if they were doing well. But the fact that they're terrible uh, at 36 and 45, at least record-wise, I don't think they're a terrible team, means that he'll probably get moved. And with Doolittle being hurt, that's going to leave a spot open. Who do you see as potentially getting this spot if Tyler Clippards moved as the A's closer?
1: You know, I, <clears throat> I kind of focus on four things. And, I, and I'm not actually sure, entirely sure, how to rank them because, um, you know, there's, we talk about this a lot, there's a velocity. Uh, and strikeouts those have been linked to closer change mm-hmm. handedness uh, of the closer is important um, teams are twice as uh, twice less likely half as likely half as likely to uh, go to a lefty than a righty even once you uh, control for the, and the amount of lefties and righties in baseball and then the, la- the last thing which might actually be the most important thing is who's pitching the eighth um, because yeah. that's, that's just basically usage. So who, Absolutely. This is, who does the manager trust? And I think if I rank them, I would actually, um, go with usage and then velocity and strikeouts and then, uh, handedness because, um, if they're, if they're using the lefty in the eighth inning, then he's not and, and more like a setup man than a loogie, right? Mm-hmm. Then um, I think then that's sort of what's going on with Pomerantz. He's been pitching a lot in the eighth. So uh, that, that person then becomes a, a, a setup guy, you know, not necessarily Lugie and uh, maybe a little bit more likely. That means the team also has a lefty uh, one-out guy. That's what Lugie means, a lefty one-out guy. So they, that means that they have another option. In this case, it's Fernando Abad. So, you know, uh, Pomerantz then becomes just a pitcher, and it's Pomerantz the pitcher up against Scribner, the pitcher, um, and in this case, yeah, Pomerantz owns um, the, uh, the, the velocity battle, okay. and um, the strikeout battle is a little bit less clear because, uh, you, know, you know, Pomerantz has been 93 since he's been in the pen, and Scribner is 91. Um, strikeouts, you kind of, you have to decide if you believe in Pomerantz in the bullpen and how, you know, the strikeout rate in the bullpen has been higher or if you kind of want to use his full-year stats for a strikeout rate. Right? That's a little bit harder to figure out. So, you know, the, the only thing other than that is that Scribner's given up tons, tons of homers because he throws tons and tons of breaking balls. Uh, he throws more breaking balls than he throws fastballs. So oh, wow. Uh, so it's a little, he's a little bit of a weird mix. for It's almost like having you know, Gregerson close or something, mm-hmm. uh, where he, he throws a ton of sliders and curves, um, and then tries to sneak the fastball over at 91. Um, the weird thing is, though, of course, that the A's have not really had a problem putting either of these profiles in. They had a lefty closer before, yeah, and uh, just recently, and they also had uh, Gregerson close some games out. And, uh, you know, Scribner is, is, is similar to Gregerson, if maybe a little bit inferior, um, if you believe the, the home run
0: rate. So that gives two names at least, Drew Pomerantz, Evan Scribner, who's not going to be widely owned. This particular, if you're an AL only and you're trolling for saves, these two guys could be guys that you could look at. Or if you're in deeper mixed, really deep mixed, and you're just going for anything that could could be save worthy. I think those are the two names that you highlight uh, that could be really good. I don't think Abad would be the guy. He is going to be the lefty, more of the loogie type. Uh, 29 appearances just 19 and a third innings um, Dan Otero somebody they've used a lot in the past but not necessarily in super high leverage situations just don't see a lot of other names there that could necessarily get the job so I like these two and then of course if Doolittle gets healthy he'd jump right back into the role but that health has has eluded him this year uh, so I like where your head's at there. Let's move over to a very intriguing team. And, and the one spot that you listed was outfield for Milwaukee. But honestly, we could probably get pretty deep on them at a couple different positions because I feel like Adam Lind is another guy who can get moved and that would open some first base. But let's talk about the outfield first. You know, this team just got knocked off of an eight-game winning streak. But to tell you how poorly uh, it's been for Milwaukee this year, an eight-game winning streak brought them up to 36-49. and 49. Yikes. I mean that 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 tells you pretty much all you need to know. But it seemed like they were too good to be this bad anyway, uh, because they just had too much solid average major league talent. And so they're they're maybe finding their level a bit. Nobody's really seeing a run. I still think that they should be selling, and they've got pieces like Gerardo Parra, the aforementioned Lind, Aramis Ramirez, and then maybe even some flashier, but harder to move in terms of. Do you really want to give them up? Pieces like a Carlos Gomez and who knows, maybe even a a Ryan Braun could be asked for. I don't know. But let's focus first on Parra because I believe that's probably who you were referencing when you mentioned their outfield. He's on fire right now. He can play center field. That's going to make him intriguing if they take people out of the outfield. And obviously Chris Davis is still hurt. Who do you think could emerge for the, uh, the Brewers?
1: Yeah, that's the part that's uh, that's not so obvious. Um, you know, in the past, when someone's been hurt a little bit, um, you know, they, they've gone to
0: uh, Logan Schaefer, I think. Yes. Um, he's he's and, seen a lot of a lot of run at various yeah. times. Is he still on their roster? But, yeah, he's still there. Okay. Uh, um, actually, no. Now he's on AAA Colorado Springs. So. Um. That might be their their AAA though because there was a lot of movement this offseason season uh, with clubs. Okay.
1: So it does say Brewers AAA. Okay. So, yeah. So uh, that's so he's he's down there. He's hitting two forty six after hitting uh, one eighty two in the majors, and that's you know I don't usually use batting average to just sum up a guy, but um, you know his WRC plus is 60 now instead of 50. So and he's the kind of guy where batting average does a decent job of, of summing him up because he doesn't have a lot of power. Um, and he doesn't have a lot of patience. So
0: and uh, it's Colorado I, you know, Springs, not- and because they Colorado Springs plays pretty well for hitters too. So yeah, even using the batting average there is an, another way that it says, yeah, you're not doing so well.
1: Right. So you know, I don't think that necessarily he's um, he's the future. Uh, you know, you, they could it could just be good for Chris Davis. Um, you know, who's on his way back, back. Yeah. And then you know that would make him a full-time uh, left fielder, Carlos Gomez and Braun, um, you know, full-time here and there. And then I guess the, the guy who's on the roster now is Shane Peterson, um, who strikes out a ton, has no power, and uh, doesn't really offer a ton of speed either. So, you know, at least I guess Peterson can play some defense. Um, you know, he's a left-hander, so he's got a platoon advantage. If you're really looking for sort of a warm body, um, I think that's the uh, that's the easiest way for mm-hmm. them to 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 fill it, and they don't really have a lot of um, uh, they don't really have a lot of depth in the prospect um, you know world. No, I guess
0: they're starting to rebuild it, but it, it's far out. Uh, it, it, we, we, a lot of young guys who are probably a year plus away. In terms of their impact, so that's the part with the Brewers that makes it tough as well, because even if we start talking about Lind at first, Aramis at third, they don't—they're not bringing up guys that they're going to slot right in uh, that are going to be impact fantasy players.
1: Yeah, and uh, the only guy that's even in their top ten that uh, that is above A-ball or high A-ball is uh, Tyrone Taylor. Okay. 21 year old center fielder uh, righty could be an interesting call up just to see what you got um, you know because not everyone agrees with uh, his upside and uh, he hasn't shown any power since rookie ball so you know you know if he is not a great power hitter and he's just kind of a contact um, and run guy then I you know maybe he is close to his ceiling already despite his young age. And maybe he would make sense with Gomez ailing a little bit and, you know, get him in, you know, you know, let him taste the major leagues. Um, And uh, maybe he, you know, you're not too concerned with the sixth and seventh years on his ARB clock because you're not sure you really have anything. And it could, it could, you could be an audition basically for next year. Be like, Hey, Tyrone Taylor, like, what do you you got? What what do you got? Yeah. Do you you want us to reserve you a roster spot for next year? If that does happen, there's a little bit of intriguing, uh, quality to, to Taylor's, um, you know, speed at least, you know, he could, you know, hit for an okay average and, and, and show some speed. He's a former football guy running back, um, and a little bit of defensive tweener, but that still works in the, in the short sample, you know, the rest of the season, just kind of get him in there, see if he can play center field, uh, by putting him in there late in the game. And, um, you know, I, I, uh, you know, the seventh best prospect, I don't think they, they got a lot riding on it, but that's, that's an interesting name. Otherwise, you know, I like Chris Davis and I do too. And if this means he's a full-time player, that's good because he's a right-hander and I, you know, you never want him to end up in a platoon, but I mean, he's shown good power now, uh, his entire time in the, in the major leagues and, uh, you know, the strikeout rate fluctuates a little bit. And he is definitely better against lefties. So if you can like roster him and just play him against lefties, then you're you're really uh, doing better. But if you need some power, especially the guys who lost Stanton, oh yeah, uh, you know, or or Springer, uh, Chris Davis is close. Uh, he's he's coming up this week. Oh, no, he's, he's back. It's,
0: they activated. Oh, the he's K. back. I was just going to mention that. Um, yeah. I, literally minutes ago, it seems uh, that it was announced that he's been activated. So Chris Davis is back. Chris with the K. And, and that could be a nice power boost. I agree with you there. You're never going to flat out replace the power of of those guys, your Stanton's and your Springer's. But Chris Davis, you know, and he's he's kind of a, a you know a, a bit of a divisive guy. He's got his believers. We both like him, but there are others out there who don't think he's much of anything. So the fact is, he should be on a lot of wires, especially yeah. in mixed leagues. He's just. owned at ESPN league. So yeah, if you are looking for a potential power boost that could come in short order, I do like Chris Davis as well. I agree with you. Let's move on to another club and talk about the Atlanta center field position, because there has been some talk that they might be open to moving Cameron Mabin. Obviously this was a piece that they pulled in the, uh, in one of their San Diego trades. Was it the Kimbrel deal? I I imagine, I think it was. Uh, So yeah, it comes over in the Kimbrel deal. And obviously they've hit on it. It's been amazing. He's worked out uh, pretty much as well as you could have hoped uh, on a level that was uh, commensurate with his prospect type here. Seven homers, 15 stolen bases, 297 average and a 784 OPS for Maben uh, while continuing to patrol center field. He is a, he would still have a, a deal for next year. It's a $9 million team option. So a team would probably, you know, be pretty interested in that. It's not just a rental and John Hart, Wisely is thinking, you know what? This worked. Why don't we parlay him? Because he does not have a great uh, health track record. Uh, he's uh, you know, going to be 29 next year. It's not some centerpiece that they must keep. It's a great idea that they're talking about potentially moving him as far as I'm concerned. But who would benefit there in Atlanta if, in fact, uh, Cameron Mabin was moved out? It's a, it's a weird uh, it's a weird name, but Jose Peraza, I think. Okay, because yeah. they've, they've been trying him out there?
1: Yeah, they, they've been playing him in center field in the minors. And uh, I guess that's a testament to Jace Peterson's future in Atlanta. Right. Um, because Jose Peraza was supposed to be the second baseman there. So, um, you know, I think uh, I think this is a good news for, for Jace Peterson owners. Jace Peterson himself is a little bit borderline. I mean, I... Uh, I think he's probably a decent bench piece in, in some 15 team mixers because he's um, available at second and third, um, sometimes um, you know sometimes more, and um, you know he can steal a little bit on base percentage, you know that part those those kind of leagues he's useful in, but he's not really a mixed leaguer um, per se. But they've seen enough out of him. They like his patience. They think his defense is going to be good enough. Former shortstop. Um, that, you know, it looks like he's got his job and he's, he's, he's stuck at second. So that means Jose Peraza now, center fielder, and he, his line looks perfect for center field. I mean, he's uh, projected to walk 3% of the time and strike out 12% of the time. And uh, he could actually cut that strikeout rate to 10% or something and just put everything in play
0: and uh run real hard to first base exactly use that speed you mentioned earlier that peraza was somebody who was seen as potential second baseman as early as oh pardon me ran into my desk uh as early as this season to to open the year so peterson was kind of a, a you know a surprise there he was part of the justin upton deal with san diego and you know he's not crushing it like you said um but a 332 on base and some speed, a little bit of punch. They like what they've gotten. It's been a little bit below league average for, for Jace Peterson for the Braves, so they kind of like him. I like that name, Peraza. I know uh, another guy in the industry, a friend of ours, Todd Zola, was very high on Peraza coming in. He was snaking him as a late round, you know, kind of a, a, a speculation pick, hoping to strike gold there. And now it might actually pay off in the second half. So that's very interesting. Peraza's down there in Triple A. If you are in dire need of speed and you're willing to gamble, take that gamble now because, yeah, Cam Maven could be moved. And Peraza's already got 13 games in center field, so they've been doing this now for a couple weeks. And 22 stolen bases in his 343 plate appearances. Peraza has back-to-back 60-plus stolen base seasons the two years before this. 60 last year, 64 the year before. So that's a huge speed influx. Love that name. Nice job on that one for sure. Let's stay in the division but jump over to some pitching and talk about the one guy we've been talking about pretty much about trade forever uh, over the last year or so, Cole Hamels. Um, Obviously, we're not so worried about where he's going to go right now, but – Who could fill in? They don't have a ton of names here, so this is definitely a deep league situation. They're not bringing up some sweet prospect that we're all going to go gaga for, but it could extend the stay of somebody like an Adam Morgan, a one-time something prospect for them, not necessarily a blue-chip one, but he was a real prospect for them. What other names or, or if you want to speak on Morgan, go ahead, but what do you see happening if somebody like Hamels leaves because honestly, it could be Hamels and others. Uh, the fact that harangues hurt probably hurts the fact that he could get moved otherwise i, would, I wouldn 't be surprised at all if he was moved. You know nobody in their in their rotation is safe from being moved, so who are some names who could emerge and, and do, you, do they have any value?
1: you know I think probably. Harangue is one of these waiver moves in August. That's a good uh, call because you know, he, he's going to pass through waivers and um, you know not require anything other than a player to be named later, and um, you know he won't be the answer that some general manager can say, "Hey, we're we're in it for this year. We just got Aaron harangue <laughs> So. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I, I think that Harang uh, will stick around a little bit and maybe even finish the season with them. I don't see him uh, getting a lot in the open market, but Cole Hamels is going to take a lot. And you know, s- there is some danger that um, what goes out, um, what, you know, what comes back in, goes into the rotation. You That's know, true. There's they some should danger. get some arm that could probably fill in right. that spot. That's a good call. Right? You think about the sort of Hayward for Miller trade. Um, you know, there's going to be some part that comes back. That's maybe a young pitcher that's actually seen major league time. Um, but um, I think there are enough uh, weak points in that um, in that rotation that um, you know you can almost just talk about who who's going to replace any of them right uh, right now. And uh, the what I what I think about is like you know so people are like. There's Severino Gonzalez, right? He he just they just DFA two guys actually, um, so I don't I don't know who they DFA, would but um, I know they got rid of a couple of pitchers here. Uh, they DFA uh, oh, Korea, Korea, uh, yeah, Korea's gone. And then did they get rid of Jerome Williams or anyway, I think
0: Jerome's
1: Shano actually Sullivan. hurt. Sean O'Sullivan, outrighted. Uh,
0: Oh uh, Sullivan was, was outrighted. outrighted. You mean that yeah, he was, like so. 20 or 2,000 OPS that he had against lefties? They they didn't
1: like <laughs> yeah, that. So so uh, you know right now the rotation, the healthy members of the rotation are Cole Hamels, David Buchanan, and Severino Gonzalez. And Severino Gonzalez, I don't know man, this guy, his fastball and his change and his cutter, everything is like 80 to 88 that's not awesome uh, it's just like one you know one little velocity band and you know i his minor league stats don't say that he's worth really thinking about and i wouldn't believe that whiff rate in the short sample so i'm i'm not excited about Severino gonzalez and i'll just put it that but um aaron nola is somebody i'm excited about and you know i know that um some people worry that his stuff isn't good enough, that his velocity isn't good enough, um, and that he's just a control and command guy that's, that's carbon up, up the minor leagues and he's not going to be that good in the majors. And that's, those are all relevant concerns. But, um, you know, in terms of velocity, he's not going to be a plus velocity guy. But I, I'm i looking at philliesminorthoughts.com, and they actually have velocities for the uh, minor leaguers in their organization, in Philly's organization. Matt Winkleman runs this site. And uh, Aaron Nola is remarkably consistent, uh, 91 to 93, basically, with maxes of 94 and 95. But, you know, his range is 91 to 93. So he is an average velocity guy with plus-plus command and four pitches that are, I would say, above average. So, you know, we just had – I just wrote a piece about why Arsenal's – and uh on Fangraphs, and you know i think arnola is gonna uh gonna jump right in there and you know i hope he's not like a jeff a matt andreese type because matt andreese showed up in my in my piece um and he just has like you know four representative pitches and isn't um isn't that exciting but uh you know i think there are other players he could be like
0: yeah yeah no, Nola was picked yes uh, last year uh 7th overall by the Phillies and he's done nothing but kind of steamroll through the through the pros so far. He had time at two levels last year for Nola High A and Double A. Uh, nice 293 era and in 55 innings with 45 strikeouts homers were a little bit much He gave up eight of them for a 1.3 rate Well this year he kind of he's chopped into that very nicely just five homers allowed in a hundred innings And he's got a 197 era between double-a AA and triple-a So he just got into triple-a did nola uh, four starts there so far 24 innings Everything's looking sharp. He is knocking on the door. They're just waiting To to call him up and it it could be in a response to like a Hamels trade as to say listen we got rid of the ace the the best player here but we have our we have the next guy coming Um, or maybe one of these two moves that you talked about happening today with with uh, O'Sullivan and Correa getting bumped out maybe it's time for Nola to come up then because. What, what, what other stuff does he need to do in the minors for them? Yeah. I think it's time to come up, see what you got, and, and, and do some development at the big leagues. Um, he's from LSU, you know, so college pitcher, bit more polished. Polish was kind of the, the name of his game. You already talked about that with the velocity. So, I like that name. I would definitely start speculating on him um, in spots where I, had, where I had the roster spot. In, in, in terms of like a mixed league, you've you got to have a spot. I wouldn't want to cut somebody good um but if i'm if i'm if i'm really struggling for pitching and i'm in a 15 team mixer i i would cut some the last guy in my roster and go gamble on like a nola because it could come the the move could happen quickly and we've seen these rookies making impacts left and right this year I, I wouldn't be surprised if he made a substantial second half impact
1: yeah i've actually gotten him in an NA slot in a 12 team mixer so you know i do think that he has some upside i i you know, I looked at my, my pitch arsenal piece, and I, I know it's not a perfect comp, but, you know, Ian Kennedy comes to mind. Okay. Uh, you know, Ian Kennedy uh, has averaged for his career 90.3 um, and has been a little bit better uh, recently at 91 or so. Um, you know, I think maybe Nola will have a little bit more velocity when he first comes into the league. Ian Kennedy is 30. Uh, but, um, you know, Ian Kennedy has a good... Uh, a couple of fastballs, or, or a good fastball, a good curveball, and a good change, and uh, decent, I guess, a cutter. What he's added, but you know, he's got a good um, wide variety, and he has decent command of all his pitches. And um, you he's know, been it's
0: just fantastic more... at times.
1: I mean, yeah. So I, I think he's a decent comp to, to uh, where Nola could go. Um, it, it, I would, I would want to say floor, uh, but that's not true. Floor is, you know. Matt Andres. Or...
0: Yeah, floor is garbage. I mean, that, that, that's yeah, the floor. floor for, is, you, you can't floor say the floor is uh, a nine-year nine player of 1146 <laughs> innings of a four ERA. That's a, that should be a floor for like a number one overall pick who everyone, you know, thinks is definitely going to hit. And even that is unrealistic because you just don't know with prospects. So I hear what you're saying there. Another good way – the reason that that comparison probably plays pretty well is because Noah's is also more of a fly ball guy than he is ground ball and that's kennedy's issue and i mentioned that when nola first hit the pros homers were a bit of an issue and then he got him in check this year so far i could see them maybe being a bit of an issue upon arrival for nola um and so you know it, it might be a situation where his quality will be determined by his home run suppression as it's been with Kennedy. When Kennedy keeps the ball in the yard, he's fantastic. When he doesn't, he struggles. I mean, and, and yet even still, when he struggles, Kennedy's never really completely awful. Um, I know there's been some struggles this year, but uh, I, I've still seen flashes of quality from Kennedy that I'm – made me go out and roster him in a league, but the 2.0 Homer per nine has got to stop. Let's hope Nola doesn't do that upon arrival. That would really sting. Let's shift over to Cincy and talk about, uh, about their starting pitching because they could, they could move two guys, two big, big pieces there. Johnny Cueto and Mike Leake. I would, I would say the latter is much more likely to be moved. In fact, you know, barring a big run from them, Uh, They're 37 and 44 right now are the reds fourth place barring a substantial run I'd say leak is guaranteed gone Uh, Whereas quato's more on the fence. Obviously, he's a superstar. He is their ace. It's tough to kind of, you know move move your ace guy He would be a rental. So maybe they just say we'll take the pick no big deal Who could they turn to um, on the reds? Obviously, Rysel iglesias getting healthy would be an obvious candidate any other names? uh, that you're interested in if one or two Red's pitchers get moved this trade deadline.
1: Uh yeah, I think you know the big the big prize is uh, Robert Stevenson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um you know, actually if I was given the choice between Robert Stevenson and Rice leglesias for this year, I would take Rice leglesias because I know Stevenson's strikeout rate is, is is up big in in the minor leagues and I know he's been moved up to AAA and I know that he's close. Um, but I also know that he's been working on this change up all this time and I, am not sure that he's actually really, um, nailed it yet. And his walk rates have been pretty terrible. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure that he's going to come and light the world on fire. He's not sort of a, a, no doubter. Um, and, uh, he's kind of almost in a way, maybe the opposite of, uh, Aaron Nola, in that he, he's going to give you plus uh, velocity in a big big heater that's uh, that hits 98 to 100. A lot of and stuff, really no nice, polish. Yeah, nice, really nice curveball. And then, you know, the changeup you don't know anything about. I mean, look at what Carlos Rodon has done um, and how difficult it's been for him. And I think that's a very good uh, w- way to think about Robert Stevenson. So, um, <clears throat> obviously, one's right-handed, Stevenson's right-handed, but still... Uh, you know, big stuff, decent velocity, don't know about the changeup, don't know about the command. I- Iglesias has answered more questions for me. And, um, you know, I know he doesn't necessarily keep his velocity up all the way through the game, but um, I do like his separate pitches, uh, his, his, his pitches, and I feel like if you go from 93-94 to 91-92 at the end of the game, yes, you've lost two ticks, and that's not great, uh, but 91-92 is still okay. And um, you know, maybe he, maybe they find a way to condition him uh, over the course of seasons. But okay, in any case,
0: I'm with you. On I, Iglesias. Would, I would
1: take Nola over Stevenson in a redraft, but I might take uh, Stevenson over Nola in a, in a keeper league.
0: What about between Nola and Iglesias right now? If you could pick either up,
1: Iglesias. I mean, I, I like, I like the track record. I like that he's done something. I like, you know, even not talking about the separate pitches. I like the eleven swing, eleven percent swing strike rate, almost twelve percent. That comes in 430 pitches, you know. So, you know, he's he's gotten swings and misses, and he got swings and misses uh, consistently. So. Uh, I would take Iglesias. I think he's one of the better ones we've talked about.
0: I completely agree. He's also on a rehab assignment, so he's on his way back already. I don't think he'll come back before the All-Star break, but uh, he should be ready to go by the time the All-Star break's over, whereas we still don't know with Nola. He could come up tomorrow, uh, or he could come up after the break, or not until the August 1st after a, a Hamels trade. So for that reason alone, I'd do it. But even on a talent, if we say they're both up or both back after the All-Star break – I would still go with Iglesias there. All right, let's let's shift over to one other team here. And you didn't write this one down, but um, I, I think it could be intriguing uh, if Colorado looks to maybe move a uh, one of the, some of their pieces offensively. Mostly, what I was looking at was like first base because will and Rosario's back on track. He's hitting pretty well, uh, and Ben Paulson's been there as well, uh, hitting. And of course, they still have Justin Morneau, who you know, ideally will come back at some point. Would you, uh, first off, between Paulson and Rosario, who do you think they're more likely to move? And then would you be interested in in rostering the other in mixed formats as a more full time play, should one of them be moved, Rosario or Paulson?
1: I think I'm a little bit more interested, actually, in um, Rosario. Okay. Just because. Because he's the baby bull? I don't know, just because uh, I, I he strikes me as the kind of player that, like, the D-backs would take a, a chance on. Um, Where they, a, and, oh,
0: and, and let him catch?
1: Yeah, because, um, you know, the Rockies have decided he's not necessarily a catcher, but he's, he's still hitting so well that, you know, a, a team like, I don't know, even the Marlins, that would be really bad for him, of course, but the Marlins... Uh, maybe even the Braves you know somebody that has their own opinions about defense and um, you know has a potential opening in, a catcher, um, and catcher uh, and may give him another shot at catcher I think that would be a, a huge boost for him especially in keeper leagues and stuff and to get anywhere close to where he was that would be amazing I mean he's our another thing that goes in his favor is he's 26.
0: Yeah, Rosario's not old. He's been around for a long time, so people might be thinking that he's a little bit older. But uh, no, he started making an impact at age 23. We're dealing with a 26-year-old here who's just about to start arbitration. So you know, yeah. if he were moved, you could see the the Rockies actually getting something pretty substantial in return here. I like the idea of Paulson though. If, if 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 a move were were to happen here and Morneau was still kind of you know struggling to get back, Paulson's ripping righties here. Uh, he is a left-hander and and doesn't do much against lefties because they can put Rosario in. They're almost running a a, a platoon there with those guys, and Paulson can kind of get out in the outfield as well. I think. Uh, so that's helped him get some playing time. But I'd be pretty interested in Paulson if somebody like Rosario was moved. Uh, otherwise, the playing time crunch makes it hard to roster Paulson in anything but deeper leagues uh, until there's a move. So I wanted, I wanted to cover that, and obviously there's I think there's a lot of candidates who could be moved in Colorado, and they're all, they're all pretty intriguing. Uh, but I think all the guys that might benefit are pretty much well known or owned. You know, if they start moving in the outfield, wow. then everyone knows about Brandon Barnes and and even Drew Stubbs, who's not been good this year but was good last year. Uh, are there any? What's that? Paulson's never gonna play against the lefty. No, he. he I mean. but Look he, at his minor league splits. His
1: against righties, he's 289, 352, 507. Against lefties, he's 216, 280, 346. That's a 626 OPS versus an 859 OPS. But so. that righty
0: work is so good that I still like him. Yeah. Because it's a, yeah. I, It just depends on that that equation of is Maybe it a enough? an PFF player or something. That's a good call. Yeah. And I, I do like that when, when we got these guys who don't have enough playing time to maybe be mixed league viable, then you start looking at them in DFS. Um, but no, I, I like Paulson's work against righties for sure. It's not against lefties that, that has me eager about him. I could still, even if they move somebody like a Rosario, Paulson would not be the every single day, no holds barred kind of guy. He'd be predominantly against righties, maybe in every once in a while, a while against lefties. Um, so yeah, I'll, I, I like, I like that situation. I'm interested to see what Colorado does, if anything. I feel like they don't ever really trade guys. They don't have pitching necessarily to give. I guess Axford could, could be moved, but then we're right back with the Hawkins that we started with in terms of closers. So uh, that, that's it for the, the, the trade piece there. We got a little bit more time, and you, you hinted at this earlier. You're talking about uh, your piece for today where you're looking at uh, wide arsenals. And I saw you talking about this on Twitter. I was really intrigued about it with regards to you know uh, holding up uh, for pitchers, how well they hold up, and, and how it relates to how many pitches they have. What were some of your findings here, and, and and did this uncover any players that you thought might have more value than we originally believed because of their deeper arsenals, or maybe even something on the other side where maybe they've got almost you know too many pitches that they're working on, and maybe it maybe it kind of muddies things up for them. I don't even know if that's a thing, but well, what what were your findings here with your piece on wide arsenals?
1: Well, you know, I think generally the one thing I can say generally is that the my sort of mental discovery, and I'm not sure that it's something that's, that's backed up yet, is that this may be more important uh, for the longevity of a pitcher than it is necessarily about their excellence right now.
0: Okay, that makes sense. And the
1: reason the reason I think about that is I look at guys like Cole Hamels, Corey Kluber, David Price, Scott Kazmir, John Lester. I look at James Shields. It's actually, James Shields in particular was a real aha moment for me because James Shields has five uh, pitches – Uh, that are, you know, branded by PitchFX that are above average. Now, that's probably cheating because it's probably counting his curve and his knuckle curve as different things or whatever. Um, And PitchFX isn't perfect. But uh, I think James Shields is a poster child for what I'm talking about, which is here's a guy who came up with one elite pitch, and Cole Hamels too. They came up with one elite pitch, and then they developed these other pitches and made them better, and that's how they've remained excellent. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in a way it might make sense to, um, you know, if you're looking for a pitcher right now on a short sample to, to look instead of, at elite pitches, right. And look for what, you know, what, um, what change up had the, the craziest whiff rate this year, you know, and, uh, and what, uh, and what slider has the craziest whiff rate, because if you do that, then you can, uh, then you can talk about who's going to be good now. You know, uh, But if you want to like talk about who's going to be a good keeper acquisition, then maybe it makes sense to maybe buy low on Andrew Kashner, who had a, who had a four. Car- Carlos Carrasco has four pitches. Uh, Chris Archer has four pitches. Uh, you know, that's not buying low. But um, <clears throat> in any case, those are the guys. Maybe Jimmy Nelson's a good acquisition right now because with the curve and the slider, he now has four pitches and now looks more like a guy that might, might last a little bit. So, you know, one of the names that came to the floor of this was Michael Lorenzen. Mm-hmm. And I'm just not sure that Michael Lorenzen, like this means you have to pick up Michael Lorenzen. I think it, it does maybe in, in some deeper leagues uh, where you can have a big bench, you can stash the guy. But um, I don't think it's uh, such an easily brandable thing because Michael Lorenzen doesn't really have an elite pitch. And you know he throws 95 and he's a former closer um, but he doesn't get a lot of whiffs on the 95 an hour fastball and it, it is slightly above average, but not for 95.
0: And he throws and then, it all the
1: time. And he throws it all the time. And these other pitches are doing okay in small, in small samples, but you know, as he throws them more, are they really going to be good? And since he doesn't trust them and you can really say, oh yeah, Michael Lorenzen doesn't really have an elite pitch. Um, and that, I think that's a little problematic for, for right now, you know, maybe if he survives and he finds a way to thrive, then you can say, well, at least he's got these different things he can do.
0: Yeah. I just got done clowning them for not having pitching uh, the Colorado Rockies, but you had two names on here. One that has been intriguing to me, Chad Bettis and another Chris Rusin. What'd you, what'd you find on those two guys? Anything intriguing uh, with either Bettis or Rusin out in Colorado?
1: yeah I, I' I kind of yeah I did make fun of Bettis a little bit in a chat recently because you know one of his best uh, pitches is the is the cur- is the curveball and the curveball always suffers in, in cores mm-hmm. but you know and the change it doesn't have the the gap the velocity gap you'd like but it does uh, have a lot of movement and I think between Bettis and risen you almost see something that you can almost uh, say is a uh, <clears throat> is like a, a a pattern maybe they both have changeups that don't have great velocity gap but good movement and they're both trusting it this year and they're both throwing a lot more and they're both uh, being more successful and I think you're gonna have to have a good change to be successful in Colorado and um, it, I think that explains that these guys have just said you know what screw it they keep telling me to throw the change and I'm just gonna throw it and it happens to be bendy enough that it works so um, Rusen's minor league stats and just his past is definitely, and his velocity and everything is is way more marginal. But sure. I think, I think maybe Chad Bettis is a guy.
0: I, I that's what I'm saying. I, I've been intrigued by him. Not I don't know, you know, being in Colorado just really takes the, puts the damper on all of it. No matter what, no matter what he's doing, I'm like it's still Colorado. So the problem is you could get all of that good work. Uh, you know, cause he's been pretty solid through 10 starts, but then it could all be erased with like a, a, one inning, eight earned run sort of nightmare. And obviously those are much more prone to happening at some place like Coors, which is what makes me scared. And yet I still have Betis on a couple rosters, including a mixed league um, that I've been spotting him in. I think he had a two start on the road last week or, or, a couple weeks ago that I was interested. Yeah, it was last week and I was interested in taking advantage of, and he wasn't dominant, but he gave up three runs in both of them and went six and five and two thirds in the other. So, almost a couple quality starts um but bettis is somebody you know he came up with prospect pedigree uh he was a top 100 guy a second round pick out of college for them so i'm keeping my eye on him rusin i don't know there's there's not much that i'm terribly intrigued by with him although i think i did dfs start him one once on the road uh i can't remember maybe it was in miami and uh they destroyed him so Maybe I'm maybe <laughs> I'm just sour on Chris Roosan because
1: yeah, neither of them really, uh, none of them really great. But uh, Roosan's uh, at least got average velocity uh, backing out the rest of this stuff. But, um, you know, and then, you know, what might be more interesting, like I said, it, for the now is maybe a guy like Kyle Hendricks, who has um, I'm doing kind of a, a quick look here, but in terms of sort of regularly lose regularly. Regularly used change ups by starters. Okay. Uh, Kyle Hendricks has the one, two, third best uh, change up by whiff rates. Oh, wow. So goes, and he needs
0: that because he has no velocity. I mean, yeah, relative to so major leagues.
1: Cole Hamels, Danny Salazar, uh, uh, Kyle Hendricks.
0: Those are and the then names Erasmo you want to be
1: by. Erasmo Rears is next. So Erasmo is actually interesting because he's he does have the one nice pitch and he has a wide arsenal now. Um, so I mean you would have thought that he could have found success in Seattle, but <laughs>
0: right? yeah, you know, Colette was on him early. I, we we got on that uh, Colette got me on the Eraser bandwagon I got him on the Iwakuma bandwagon, so we've been liking these two mariners guys uh but you know Erasmo was taking forever to pan out. I'm glad for Colette that it happened on his favorite team that uh that Erasmo' finally panning out a little bit, but no, it's a very interesting article that he did. And I, I even recommend folks kind of go back through your timeline from a couple of days ago where you were kind of talking out loud about this as it relates to relievers and then the piece that you were talking about with longevity versus actually helping you in the now. Uh, I thought it was very interesting stuff. So um, we're going to go ahead and end on that. You've got to get to the yard. I'm taking Curtis to the vet. So we've got some stuff to do. But uh, we will be back in a couple of days talking about some other great stuff. I don't even know what we're going to talk about yet, you know, but I bet it's going to be awesome. So um, have a good time at the yard. I won't have you send my love to any any players today, Like, but I hope you got Aaron out of the message last week. Uh, <laughs> but until Thursday, take care, and I'll talk to you later. All
1: right.